0: Welcome to Rights Up Right Now, a podcast from the Oxford Human Rights Hub. I'm Kira Allman. In this episode, I'm talking about disability rights in the UK with Dr. Marie Tidbull, a research associate at the Oxford Center for Criminology and the Bonavero Institute of Human Rights. She's also a Knowledge Exchange Fellow at the Oxford Research Center in the Humanities. Happy New Year from Rights Up and the entire Oxford Human Rights Hub team. We hope your year is off to a great start, and if you've been enjoying this podcast series, please share it with someone new this year. We'll continue to bring you fresh episodes of this series to help make sense of contemporary human rights issues in 2018. Almost exactly a year ago, in January 2017, the UK Department of Education published a report by the Disabled Students Sector Leadership Group, or DSSLG, which offered guidance on how universities and other higher education providers could better support disabled students. In short, the report found that institutions of higher education could do much more to make learning and teaching more inclusive for disabled students. Drawing on language from the UK's 2010 Equality Act, the report outlines the ways in which higher education providers must make reasonable adjustments in order to facilitate learning for disabled students. The Equality Act recognizes disability as a protected category under the law, meaning that disabled persons have a right to protection from discrimination in employment, education, and law enforcement. In many cases, realizing those rights is challenging in a complex social environment where different institutional actors must coordinate to implement the law, and where a disabled individual may have more than one disability, or his or her disability may intersect with other protected characteristics, like gender. This intersection of characteristics is commonly referred to as intersectionality. In light of the DSSLG's report, many academic institutions and individuals within those institutions have taken steps to implement the report's recommendations, and those efforts take many different forms. In this podcast episode, I'm talking to Dr. Marie Tidbull, a research associate in law at the University of Oxford, who's going to talk us through some of the ways higher education can better accommodate the rights of disabled people. She's also hosting a conference in Oxford in February on disability law and policy, and we're going to talk a little about that too. So Marie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I think let's start out with a little background. How did you get interested in disability rights and equality? And why did you choose to approach these topics from a legal
1: perspective? Sure. So um, my own undergraduate degree was a law degree. And I think one of the reasons that I applied to do that law degree was because even as a kind of fresh faced undergraduate or an 18, 17, 18 year old as I was at the time, I understood then that law is power um, and it has such an important and all encompassing role on our lives. And as a disabled um, uh, person, and a, a, a teenager at that stage, growing up in the UK, I recognised that um, it would have a hugely important role in terms of access to services and um, the way I and other disabled people were treated. So that's probably one of the reasons that I chose to do my law degree. Um, And then through my law degree became increasingly interested in the treatment of people with disabilities, particularly people with mental health problems, learning disabilities, autism in the criminal justice system. And that was the area that I began to specialise in. I did my master's dissertation, my criminology master's dissertation on uh, the treatment of people with mental health problems and learning disabilities, particularly looking at the context of antisocial behaviour orders. Uh, and when I decided to come back to do a doctorate, I was really keen to bring disability front and centre. Uh, in, in the time working in the field, um, in the area of public policy for an autism charity, I became more and more interested in the social model of disability. Um, I'd... Been to lots of talks and um, in- try to include understandings of the social model in the policy briefings that I was writing and um, so I wanted to actually bring that front to and centre in my research on um, the treatment of adult defendants with autism in the criminal justice system because my experience of um, looking at criminological research was there was a real paucity um, in actually looking at um, material from a disability perspective and integrating the social model as opposed to the medical model of disability.
0: You mentioned the social model of disability.
1: What does that mean? Um, the social model is, um, makes a distinction between impairment on the one hand um, uh, and then disablement on the other, arising out of barriers that people might experience in society.
0: So why is now a good time to be thinking about and reevaluating the way disability is dealt with in the law What's been happening lately in this area of law that would make it a good time to really engage with these issues and, you know, host
1: a conference as you're about to do? So um, I guess through the research I did for my doctorate, I realized that I was one of the few people at the university actually um, looking at the materials and, and looking from a legal perspective. Uh, at uh, disability from from the social model and and using some of the intellectual resources in disability studies. And um, during my time as a a graduate, while I was doing my doctorate, began to realise that it was very necessary to increase the inclusion of disability within the curriculum. So we began a campaign called Let's Get Disability on the List. Um, And the idea of that was really to raise the profile of the importance of this uh, area of uh, research and teaching teaching and we set up a number of um, high-profile events including the Herbert Smith Free Hills Oxford Disability Mooting Championship which was Oxford's first mooting championship to look specifically at areas of law that intersect with disability and when I finished my doctorate um, I really wanted to expand this work and kind of solidify it at the university so I spent time thinking about how that could happen And setting up uh, this conference seemed a way to actually bring academics, early career researchers and students at the university together who were interested in these areas. But coupled with that, there was a a report last January um, by the uh, DSSLG, which is a group of people that work uh, across the university sector looking at disability related um, policy Um, and uh, work with students and that report was really clear that there has to be much more teaching um, and inclusive pedagogy around disabled students Um, and so that was really good timing, and um, because it felt that there was a real opportunity for Oxford to show leadership in this area and begin to develop some really definitive um, teaching and research streams. So the conference really came out of that as a way to bring all these fantastic people together uh, in one space and to just sh- showcase the interesting areas um, of teaching and research. But also to um, create a place where the voices of disabled people and disabled people's organisations can actually come um, to the fore and ensure that, uh, you know, there is the, the, the slogan, nothing about us without us. That actually, um, that the research and teaching should be led by disabled people themselves as well. Um, so we're hoping it will bring a number of groups together and be a powerful way of kind of setting a direction forward in this area of work. So I guess this question might be a bit of a preview
0: of some of the conference themes, but where in UK law do disability rights come from? I mentioned the Equality Act in the opening to the episode, but perhaps you can expand a little bit on what pieces of legislation have dealt specifically with disability, discrimination,
1: and equality. So there's um, a number of different pieces of legislation. Um, You have the Equality Act 2010, which sets out um, the law around disability discrimination. Um, You also have uh, the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which um, has a slightly interesting status in in uk law which at the moment is facilitated by our membership um to the to the eu and, and eu um, regulation and, and directives in terms of compelling us to it to apply uh, the un convention um you also have legislation kind of across um, the taxonomy of, of the law mental capacity act for example um which uh speaks to people with disabilities but doesn't necessarily incorporate what people would describe as a social model of disability. Um, I've mentioned already the Autism Act which um, was actually the first disability specific piece of legislation in the UK to look at one particular disability and see how things could be improved in terms of that group's access to different services. So there are a number of different areas of legislation um, it would take far too long to go through all of them but they're some of the the key ones that people um, probably would and, and should be aware of
0: great okay so tell me a little bit about the conference you're organizing in oxford it's coming up in february is that right
1: That's right. So we have a two-day conference, the Oxford Disability Law and Policy Conference, which is really um, an event to launch our Oxford University Disability Law and Policy project, which is a project we've been working on over the last year to increase the inclusion of disability in teaching and research at the university.
0: So what can people expect from the conference? What's the program look like?
1: So it's a two-day event and the first day really is challenging what we mean by disability law and looking at its relevance across the taxonomy of the legal system. So starting off really with setting out um, kind of where disability discrimination law came from and uh, its roots in the UK disability um, civil rights movement and moving through its relevance to, for example, fine honor school papers such as criminal law, um, property law and tort law. And then the uh, in the afternoon I'm picking some of the theory involved in disability law and um, particularly looking at the ethics of um, care and, and rights for um, people who receive social care. And then our second day uh, really is looking um, more at the contemporary policy issues. So uh, the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability uh, and its relevance to UK law. And then focusing in on some very specific areas. So That piece of legislation looks very carefully at um, multiple discrimination faced by, um, for example, women with disabilities um, and uh, children with disabilities. So that panel is very much um, an intersectional panel uh, looking at the way uh, disability cuts across other protected characteristics and how those different equality areas interact together. We then move on to discussion about uh, d- the treatment of people with disabilities and their access to adult social care services, which is something that's kind of increasingly becoming um, prominent in the mind of uh, the general public as there are issues around funding costs and resources. Mm-hmm. And then um, the one of the final panels uh, in the afternoon is actually looking at an area that's closer to my own research, so the intersection between... Uh, the criminal justice system, adult social care, and mental health law, and how people with disabilities kind of move through those systems. And very often, there's been a very siloed approach to looking at those individual areas of law. And you, in my experience, following adult defendants with autism through the court process. What you tend to find is um, a lot of the lawyers working in that field don't really understand social care law and sometimes try and seek criminal justice outcomes when actually they could be looking at working with the individual um, and the local authority in terms of looking at social care options. Um, and then finally, we reflect on the concluding observations of the UN committee, um, which examined the treatment of disabled people by uh, the UK government. And we so we have our plenary session on that and really looking at what's next. So how should the UK government respond to those findings? What more can disabled people's organisations and disabled people as individuals do to actually understand the implications of those findings um, and improve the treatment? of people with disabilities in the UK.
0: I understand that one of the goals of the conference is to lay the groundwork for the creation of a top master's course in disability law and policy here at Oxford. Why is a taught master's course a good way to start integrating more disability-specific themes into the law curriculum?
1: So actually, interestingly, the uh, UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities kind of really encourages two approaches in terms of building consideration of disability into the, um, ac- across the legal system. Um, and one is mainstreaming the rights of people with um, disabilities uh, across the board. Um, And the other is where necessary, developing specialisms um, to make sure that actually their individual lived experiences are properly reflected. And that paradigm really is what we've applied in in this context that we both need to mainstream um, consideration of disability across the curriculum here at Oxford. Um, and also look at where there's opportunities for specialism um, so that we can really focus in on the areas that of law that affect the lives of people with disabilities um, and I think in the context of austerity and the context of Brexit that's going to become increasingly important over the coming years um, and it's also increasingly important one of the arguments I've made that we educate people that are going to go on to be lawyers and um, that are going to go on to be decision makers civil servants um, to understand um, the lived experiences of people with disabilities and have the skills to think critically about that. Um, in terms of making their decisions and actually in terms of properly representing people with disabilities themselves as they bring cases to court. So a a hugely exciting opportunity uh, in terms of teaching and in terms of upskilling um, people that may be representing disabled people but also in terms of having more scholars with disabilities coming through. Um, I know to my great chagrin a number of really brilliant undergraduates who have Um, gone off to other universities um, to study to to do disability studies elsewhere, because Oxford doesn't offer anything like that here. And that means that actually, we lose the opportunity to bring more um, young people through um, the academic system here in Oxford, for themselves to then become academics. So the opportunity of a master's course means that you create an impetus for more of those individuals to choose to stay here and to specialise, and hopefully then to become academics themselves. And of course, it's likely that many
0: lawyers, regardless of their specialism, would encounter disability issues over the course of their careers, right? So this is probably also a case for mainstreaming disability law as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have 13 million people with a disability in the UK, which is a really large portion of our population. Um, And that's why it's important that it's mainstreamed as well as developing specialist teaching courses and uh, research. And, uh, And not just lawyers either and I think the opportunity of having increased teaching uh, at the university means that our medical students, uh, our psychology and psychiatry students and sociologists can be exposed uh, to to this as well Um, because very often they are having to operate um, in an area where law affects the kind of decisions they have to make every day uh, in, in their practice and actually being having the opportunity to think critically uh, about that and um, understand those decisions from the perspective of disabled people in a more uh, embedded way is really important. You know, one of the findings of the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities was the gap for disabled women and girls in terms of um accessing sexual health um, and gynaecology advice that suits their needs and is accessible to them Um, so actually this is an opportunity for other um, professionals and um, Students at the universities that the university that are going on to become doctors and psychiatrists uh, to learn um, about areas that that will affect their decision making and their interactions with um, the service users and people that they work alongside.
0: You're an academic who's really out there in the world. You've got your scholarly life and research, but you've also been involved in policy discussions. You're an Oxford city councilor. Is this an area where there's a particular responsibility, do you think, as an academic, to get involved in the community? Or is this maybe something that we should all just be doing better as academics?
1: I absolutely think we should do this better across the board. I think there are, um, because the disabled people's movement has always had at the heart of it, nothing about us without us. Um, and I, I think that in a lot of um, university institutions, actually the opportunity for those groups to feed into um, the academic courses um, and perhaps shape research has been limited I think also what pr- in my experience has also been limited is the accessibility of research methodologies so one of the things that I've worked on um, in my in my own doctorate research was looking at how to make my own participants materials more accessible so how to develop easy read materials for example how to understand informed consent and and ensure that I'm always assuming the person has uh, mental capacity unless proved otherwise and I think actually a lot of researchers even in terms of looking at um, defendants more generally so not just defendants um, with uh, any kind of disability there has been a a limited um, examination of actually the fact that those individuals very often um, within our uh, prison system we know that literacy levels are um, lower um, and that still a huge amount of support needs to be done um, there and so a lot of it has been I think because there's been barriers in terms of inclusive research not across the board there's always some really good examples and um, so I think but um, disability draws a spotlight on that very sharply and that's another reason that, that I think focusing on disability research and res- and um, how you can develop inclusive research methodologies is an opportunity actually across um, those of us who do qualitative and quantitative um, field research, but also those of us who just do book-based um, black letter law as well, in terms of understanding how we access the experience and how we work um, collaboratively with um, groups of people that are affected by the areas of law that we write about.
0: And having disabled people involved in research is important because those research projects often lend themselves to policy recommendations right?
1: Yeah absolutely and I think that's actually also a good point as well that you're including people with disabilities across the research process so in terms of dissemination too how do you make those research findings accessible um, so that people with disabilities who perhaps don't have a legal background and many do um, and many have to because they self-advocate an awful lot but how do you make sure that when you disseminate those research findings that that is accessible to them and that they have a space to help um, kind of push those policy changes forward. I've done a lot of work in the past around upskilling um, people with uh, autism in particular but other disabilities as well uh, in terms of being involved Involved in policy change. Um, so it's really important to spend that time. Um, working with the group so that they understand how a process works, for example at local government level how scrutiny committees work, how they can contribute to that, Um, then how they can kind of analyse the findings of that particular uh, local or national government body might be that something's gone to a select committee for example Um, and what else they can do, so the kind of things that might make sure their Member of Parliament listens to what they have to say um, how they get asked their member of parliament to um, to make an oral or written question to government giving people with disabilities all those skills um, in terms of being part of the research um, findings and dissemination and then moving things forward in terms of changing um, the legislation.
0: So registration for the disability law and policy conference is open it's free to attend so how can people sign up if they want to?
1: Sure. So the conference is taking place on Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th of February. Um, it's something like 9.30 till 4 on the Friday uh, at the Bonavero Institute of Human Rights at Mansfield College. And then a bit more of a reasonable start on the Saturday, 10, uh, it's uh, going on a little bit later, so it's 10 till 6.30 on the Saturday. And people can sign up on our Eventbrite link online. So if they just search Oxford Disability Law and Policy um, Conference they will find that on the Eventbrite page and they just click to register and it's free. And who should be attending? Who's the target
0: audience for this conference?
1: Um, So we were very keen that this was a very inclusive event, um, which is why we've kind of worked hard and and really grateful for the the financial support that we've had to run the event. Um, It's open to academics, to students at this university and elsewhere, um, but also very much is open to disabled people's organisations, people with disabilities themselves and members of the public. You know, there's one of the things we haven't talked about today is that actually many people's experiences of disability is because they have a family member who perhaps has a disability um, and they're a really important voice um, at the table as well so very much uh, open to all of those uh, all of those groups and people that are just generally have a professional interest in disability as well
0: well thank you very much Marie and we hope that many of our listeners will sign up for the conference and be there in February
1: thanks very much for having me it's been great Rights Up Right Now
0: is a podcast from the Oxford Human Rights Hub. It's produced by me, Kira Allman, and music for this series is by Rosemary Allman. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud.